podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sissoko, finally waited. Erickson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal! On debut, Tunge Ongombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs! Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Oh, wow, what a run. Jermyn Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best. Hello and welcome to another edition of Touchline Hotspur. I'll be your host today, Sai, and today I've got some regular faces with me. Owen, how you doing, brother? Uh, rhetorical question, that is, mate. Um, we'll see how that goes throughout this pod. Um, as I know, I'm just trying to draw some energy from a dejected self. Definitely. I think. I think that... That's going to be mirrored in the next two responses too. We've also got teacher with us today. How's it going, bro? Well, you know. <laughs> it was, it was just one word I wanted to give you would be frustration. Yeah. <laughs> one word, frustration. But otherwise, can't complain. Still alive, still kicking. Happy to be here. That's good, man. We'll vent. And last but not least, we've got Jack. Just losing the will to live, really. But you know what? There's, there's more to life than football, I think. <laughs> I, <hope. laughs> I think it's a good good time for you to post the logic uh, meme that you put up before. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go viral again. Yeah. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the pod, obviously we've got the housekeeping. Uh, if you're not already, make sure that you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, at Touchline Hotspur, or Spurs underscore touchline, I should say. Uh, we've also moved a lot of our content back onto the main Touchline Fracker YouTube channel, uh, so make sure that you're checking in there as well uh, to keep up to date with all of our video content. And, of course, you can find us on all of the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all of that good stuff. So, uh, before we get into the match reviews, uh, two diabolical performances back-to-back, uh, there is quite a fair bit of news to get to. Uh, first and foremost, Jedson Fernandez has left the club. Uh, he has had his loan terminated. He's heading to Galatasaray off the back of returning back to his parent club. Uh, are we going to miss him? <laughs> we're not going to miss him. I'm just happy, like in a sense, we're not ruining a young man's career. I still think there's a there's a fairly good player there if he can show, like get some love from a club, which which unfortunately he wasn't with us. So yeah, I'm happy we actually managed to offload one player who we're not using to any effect. Does anyone have any any standout moments for Jensen in his in his short stint with the club? Been just not particularly. I mean, we've seen it happen before with Spurs where we get this. This young player who's full of promise from overseas that we all think the world of and comes with some excitement and potential. But, you know, as Owen rightly said, didn't get any love from us, didn't get enough time to, to really make any sort of stamp on any game that I can remember. But 
you know, fair play to him. He's still got his future ahead of him, and uh, we wish him well. I don't have any sour feelings about him. He didn't fuck anything up. So, you know, I wish him well, personally. Jack, how do you feel? Were, were you were you looking forward to us uh, shelling out the 50 mil to keep him? or? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> I, I still don't know what his position is. I don't think anyone knows what his position is. How can how can you be at a club for a year? We still don't know if you're a winger, if you're a midfielder, if you're what is what was this guy's position? <laughs> to be fair, I think I think uh, he was probably relegated to Jose Mourinho's house help uh, over the stint of his <laughs> time with Spurs. To be perfectly honest, because. Only Lord knows why he was at the club in the first place and what he's been doing behind the scenes. Yeah, cause, yeah he's he's added absolutely nothing. Um, on a on a slightly different tone, uh, Gazaniga has gone on loan to Elche in La Liga. Um, obviously, we brought in Joe Hart at the start of the season, and a lot was spoken about in terms of the homegrown quota and the foreign player uh, quotas at the club. Um, He's not played a single game all season. Do you feel like we've missed the trick keep, keeping him at the club as opposed to uh, the liability that is Joe Hart? I just wish it was a permanent deal because we need the money. Not yeah. not going to be around the bush. We need the money and we clearly bought Joe Hart and ostracised him from the team just to kind of put him in the shop window. But um, that, it's another case. No one's buying what we're selling and... A young man who needs to get some games in his career has got a loan move. So, I mean, fair play to him in that sense. But uh, it's, it's again another failing on us where we've we've not managed to get a permanent move for a player. 100%. Uh, would anyone have preferred him to have been the second choice keeper over a Joha? Or is this just shit for shit, in, <laughs> for lack of a better, better phrase of it? I mean, never really rated Gazaniga, but he's not the worst second-choice keeper in the world. And we've named the podcast before Hologram Heart. Like, he, he, he's non-existent. He is a key, like, what is the point? I don't know what happened to him psychologically with his confidence or what have you, but he, he doesn't look like a professional goalkeeper anymore. It, it's gone beyond being just a bad goalkeeper itself. It, he looks like a shadow of any professional player at all. He, he's so bad. Any shot that comes his way, it is in. It, it's in. We saw, we've seen it in the Europa League. How many times? How many goals? It Way too many. I think I think with Gazaniga, um, me personally, I've always I've always had a bit of an affinity to him uh, in terms of him as a second choice keeper. I don't think you can expect too too much better from a second choice. Um, but teacher, do you feel like Joe Hart can step it up without um, having that I person bit, behind him? I feel a bit sorry for Joe Hart at times because he just had that that shift in his career when Pep came to Man City and just literally froze him out of the team, and he was never the same after that. And you know he's gone all over the world, come back and not improved. And his best years are behind him, if I'm being frank. He was a good... Well, I don't even know if he was a good goalkeeper once upon a time. He was hyped for a long time. Um, but, yeah, I think he's proven that he's not a goalkeeper that's going to consistently put any team in the top six. I think I think that's fair to say. And, you know, if you've got ambitions to be in that in that ilk, then realistically, Joel Hart's not your man. Um, would I prefer Gazaniga over Joel Hart as a second goalkeeper? Yes. Not by... Not by tons and bucket loads, because we we had a stint where we saw Gazaniga going at it for a while when Larice was injured, didn't we? And to be fair, he didn't cover himself in glory. He rose to the occasion a few times, but you know, the long and short of it is he, he didn't paint himself in gold, he didn't prove himself as a Premier League contender. So I suppose Joe Hart's in the conversation just just for over experience really, but you know, we 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 we've seen that's only gonna get you so far. So, you know, I probably would have taken a punt on Gazaniga on that basis. Um so well, yeah, you know, we didn't sell him. He's still at a club. I'm not sure if that's potentially a case of we see him, you know, in the long term future for Spurs or whether it's a case of we just can't sell the fucker. But personally, I'd like to see him stick around for a little bit longer because I think his best years are still ahead of him. One thing is for certain, he's going to be missed on all of the uh, 
Hugo Boss adverts and things of that nature. Uh, Mr. Mr. He's a good looking guy. He can get you a little attention. Gazaniga's better looking. <laughs> the professional model. Professional. Uh, so, uh, last but not least, in terms of the sort of uh, news around the club, I would say. But, so, Jose, Jose Mourinho has uh, come out and acknowledged that and Dombele is ready to play in his natural centre midfield position. Um, and that serves as a bit of a gateway for Delhi to return back to, to the fold. Um, it's even come out that Delhi Ali has sort of had mediation talks with Jose Mourinho and that Ndombele has sort of helped facilitate that as well. What do we make of all of this? Is this just more smoke and mirrors and a sort of, uh, an offshoot of what we've seen with Mourinho in the past, or do we feel like he's genuinely making an attempt to mend bridges that he's broken? I think it's a little bit of an attempt through through him. Obviously, it, it was probably forced by Levy. I think that's uh, from the reports we've been hearing that Levy's kind of had to try and act as a mediator. And this this press conference actually gave me quite a few positive feelings after the game, which we're we're actually about to talk about. Because uh, obviously he mentioned that Ndombele is finally ready in his eyes. I think he's been ready a bit earlier than what he's saying, but he's ready in his eyes to play deeper. He's had these talks with Delhi now. With these talks, I think it was, of course, not just for the good of Delhi himself, but I think Delhi's probably the most popular member of the squad. And you know, if you're getting someone like that on side, that's only going to boost morale for the team. So I mean, yeah, I think it's mostly Jose having being forced to build bridges. And do we do we feel like that that admittance from uh, Jose will lead to any sort of tactical improvements in the side? Or do we feel like Delhi may be past the point of no return for us? I think, Jack, uh, I'll pass that one to you because you're a big Delhi detractor, if you will. The thing is, I mean... I loved Delhi when he was when he was actually doing what he was doing. You know, we we all loved him. You know, we all adored the way you know his bite alone in the team that he had. But obviously, with the goals and the Ericsson connection, it was brilliant. But I think I just can't see any way. I know I just can't see any system in this country in English football that suits his style of play. And um, I think where we've gone past that, and I don't think we'll, I'll ever see us, we'll, you know, get back to that. And obviously, he has to go. Um, with Jose, um, I just feel it, it's a, a PR move to get the fans sort of on side. Maybe I'm not sure. It feels like he's been doing that a lot whenever he goes against his his own principles, if you, um, what have you. But he. Um, I don't trust anything Jose says anymore. I think, um, yeah. I mean, we'll get on to we'll get on to the manager later on, but I just don't trust. You know, whenever there's something that you feel is is an optimistic and forward thinking move, Jose seems that he tends to show the opposite on the pitch whenever there's a game on. So, you know, you can't really trust him. Yeah. So, uh, moving moving into um, game reviews if you will uh so the first game of the week so on sunday we played brighton um obviously the result didn't go our way uh we lined up with a 3-4-3 which we've seen glimpses of over the course of the season but not it's by no means our like most natural uh shape moving into these games what did you guys make of the lineup so i'll I'll check this one to you teacher we had Sizoko and Davis as wing as wing backs. Um, is that something that you co-sign or were you quite um, surprised? That was off the back of the Oreo situation, wasn't it? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's not what Jose Mourinho would naturally do. I'd have to firstly say to put things into context. Sizoko in that position, I can understand the decision making process in terms of what other player do we have in our unit that's going to be able to play that role. He's going to be able to get up and down the pitch, be a physical presence, um, put himself about and disrupt play. I can get the full process. However, in reality, what we've got is a player whose job is to help us in the transition. 
in terms of driving, holding onto the ball, driving up the field and giving the rest of our players a chance to get into their position so we can be an attacker threat in, through the channels. So when you take Zocco in a position which he doesn't give you that, instead what you've got is just a clutch running up and down the pitch. And it's not his fault. It's not his fault. He's playing out of position. In my opinion, no one in that team played well in that game. We we struggled. And this is the thing that I've seen since Kane has left us. And I don't want to bang the whole Kane's not here drum. That's why we're not playing well. Because I don't think that's necessarily the case. What I'll say is we are struggling to find that space in between our midfields and attackers occupy that space to link up the play. And I think where we used to have a player would come deep and create those channels and create those passing lanes and those options and deliver it. We haven't got that anymore. So we're struggling. We don't have an identity. We, we we can't attack as a team, as a unit, because the way in which we've been doing it historically, we just we just we just can't figure it out right now. But the, what pisses me off about it, what pisses me off about it is that we've got a player that can link this all up for us in Deli Ali. And I know I know that he's not necessarily the person who you can look to and say he's going to be the answer to mm. our problems considering when he was playing, he wasn't in a great form anyway. But like, you got to take a punt on it. You got to take a punt on it because he's got experience in playing that exact same position where Kane was occupying space, coming deep and finding passes. Deli Ali's done that time and time again. That's his whole game. So yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot that we missed out on. I don't think the formation worked for us personally. Um, but you know, I think he was trying to make the best out of a bad situation, and it didn't work out for us, and we, we lost three points as a result. With with regards to that, you mentioned some uh, quite poignant points about Sizoko in terms of the role that suits his game the, the most. Obviously, Doherty hasn't played this game as a result of a poor performance in the game prior, mm. um, albeit from a position that wasn't his own. Um, so how how much stock do we put in Jose's actual decision-making uh, in terms of what has lost us the game? Obviously, we saw Bale Scott, who has occupied that right-hand side with Doherty over the course of the Europa League campaign. So do we feel like he's sort of shooting, taking off his nose to spite his face in, in some instances by not riding some of the chemistry that he's supposedly been trying to build throughout the squad rotations over the course of the season? Yeah, I think so. I think he's, he's, I think he's trying things out. I think he's trying things out. I think, you know... It, Losing Kane's been a big blow. It meant that he's got to shuffle things around. He's meant he's got to consider new options and potentially pay people in positions where they're not naturally where he'd put them. Um, and I think his decision-making process has been done under some pressure. Um, I think, you know, realistically, Gareth Bell hasn't done anything necessarily to grant him first-team play in the Premier League. I love Gareth Bell. I'm the first man to... When I heard Gareth Bell was coming to, to Tottenham, mate, I couldn't tell you the happiness that came in my heart. But the sad reality is he's not performing at a level that resembles the Gareth Bell that we all know and love. And playing him is really credit to his to his star power more than it is his, his, his current form. Um so, you know, I think he's just he's trying he's trying to ting, basically. And on this occasion, tactically it didn't pay off because players aren't playing to their strengths. And on top of that, you know, there, there, there's no, there's no unity, there's no unison, there's no gel, and the better players will, will stand out because obviously they have ability and whatnot. But when, when that star name isn't necessarily on the pitch, that person that's generally everything, that person that gives us direction and and driving power and force, then it just means that individually everyone getting found out, and there's no, there's no team, there's no team unison. So it's, it's just a bit, it's a bit frustrating. I don't blame Mourinho, but you know, I, I think. In times like this, you just got to take it back to basics. So, Owen, as as the as the uh, cast member who was the most vocal about not really being pro Gareth Bell's return, um, where where do you feel he actually fits within the pecking order? Nowhere, nowhere. <laughs> um, look, even like for the start of the game, like Cesar was right. We sh- when we've. Um, looking like we're going to be against it, we should go back to basics. And um, like even for this game, with the 3-4-3, I didn't hate this formation when we had Regulon and Aurier. Um, obviously, Aurier fell out with Jose, Regulon's injured. OK, so this is a game where I wanted Doherty to start purely just so he wouldn't have an excuse that he's playing his preferred position against favourable opposition. 
and you know he made the point of playing Sissoko as well. Um, it is what it is. He wanted to make the point as opposed to going making the points Doherty instead of going to basics. And for Bale, I think he's not been tone deaf to fans calling for him to play because I mean a lot of people still turn to him. Even when he wasn't at the club, people still saw him as the answer. In my in my opinion, I don't think he's ever been the answer. Even before uh, Zidane ostracised him uh, last season, he he had been playing poorly. And like I, I had the feeling, even though I did get caught up in the romance a little bit, um, I even done a skit to pretend that I was tracking his flight because I, I actually got quite excited that he was joining. That was quality, though. <laughs> But uh, it, it's just been crazy. I don't even remember him doing anything in the game apart from receiving the ball on the half turn once and managing to get away from his man, pop off a pass in once in the first half. So even with the right wing options we've got, I see Bergwijn ahead of him. I see Lucas ahead of him. I see even Lamella ahead of him. I mean, which which says a lot. I I just think he's completely lost it. I don't think it's because he's out of love of football. I just just the lack of playing time over the last two three years and the injuries have caught up with him. It's a sad sight to see, but that's that's the reality for Bell. I I don't really want to see him carrying on past this season. Yeah, it's 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 a difficult one. Um... Obviously, the chatter around Bell has been long-standing from the Pochettino days. And me, me on a personal note, I've never been pro him returning, especially if the style of play isn't a direct fit. And at the minute, he looks such a shadow of his former self that I can't really pinpoint what type of football would actually suit him or even get a, a sort of level of production that is befitting the team of our stature, to, to, to put it bluntly. Um is looking is looking poor in terms of uh, squad depth, and obviously we've got players like Vinicius who were struggling to make the team. Um, moving on to Chelsea, obviously we've seen a return to four-two-three-one, so we've already scrapped the three-four-three experiment, if you will. We've seen us return to what looks like basics with a centre forward with Oreo coming back into the team with a double pivot of Sizoko and Hoybier, which obviously means Tongi got shifted forward to the ten position. Um, what do we what do we make of this sort of indecision um, tactically? I'll leave this one to you, Jack, because obviously Perry Perry Pulis is your man. Oh man, I mean, it, to me, what it looks like is whatever the formation, whatever the you know, tactical nows we expect this man to put in. The approach is always going to be the same. It's always going to be, you know, the back line being five yards away from the keeper every time. It's always going to be a heavily heavy reliance on two players, two players going forward, and um, and obviously a winger taking on a mass, you know, big defensive responsibility. That's usually Bergwijn. It. <sighs> The sustainability of this football, we all knew at the beginning of the season we can't do this every game. But yeah, a man of such intellect, you know, all of us, you know, number of years back when in the noughties, we thought this this guy was a genius. This guy knew football, you know, at the back, you know, at the back of his hand. But I don't know. This guy, I can't even explain what it is. Part of it is obviously the players are not buying into the system entirely. Um, part of it is the players not being good enough for the system. But equally, you cannot... <laughs> when you're playing against teams... Forget Chelsea. When you're playing against Brighton, when you're playing against Fulham, when you're playing against Crystal Palace, when you're playing against a poor Wolf side, and you're still playing the same system, the players are going to get fed up. Well, <laughs> you know you know it's going to come back to haunt you. And it comes back, it comes back to haunt you when we do it. When even when... The manager thinks it's going well. I can't explain. What, I can't. I've yeah, done my ranting about it, but it is looking. It is looking uh, very, very bleak. Obviously, this Chelsea game is finished one uh, nil. Uh, so that's back to back one nil defeats. 
three losses in the Premier League on the bounce. Um, very, very little in the way of any sort of attacking play from our side. Um, and we are literally just throwing throwing shit out of wall and hoping that it sticks. Um, there doesn't really seem to be any way out of this predicament and nothing exemplifies that more so than the mistake by Eric Dyer. Um, it's not the first one this season. It's looking like it's not going to be the last. Um, what do we put this down to? Oh, I'll go to you, teacher. Do you think he's just a bad player that's passed, passed it, or do you think there is a deeper, darker criminal link here? We're talking about Eric Day, yeah? Yeah. Um, look, <laughs> Eric Dyer has the right attributes to be a decent player. Firstly, let me say that now. He lacks the composure under pressure to make smart decisions. And I think he's too concerned about being the scapegoat that it makes him do irrational things. Today, on the floor, he was hacking away at man as if to say there weren't cameras on the pitch watching this. As if to say, man, we're going to watch that back and be like, yeah, that's cool. I was literally thinking, bro, that's just foolishness. And I don't, want to be harsh. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be harsh because deep down, I kind of rate him. I'm not going to lie, I do. But he needs some mentorship. He needs someone to drag him by the fucking chin and just be like, bro, we've got to play properly and we've got to do this and we've got to do that. Because underneath all of that nonsense, there's a, there's a player there, man. He's got decent feet. He can find a pass. He's strong. Once he gets moving, he's got a bit of pace. Like He's not quick off the mark. But when he's been running for a bit, he'll catch up with you. And you'd like to think that if his decision-making got tweaked, if he had some moral support, um, then there could be someone there that we could invest in. But realistically, you know, that's all he says, she say, and we can't live in the promised land. So fundamentally, he's, he's not someone who we can look to to put us in a position where we want to be as, as, as Champions League contenders, not not actually to win the Champions League but to play in the Champions League. So yeah man, but I mean we're not we're not we're not we're not riddled with options. So I mean what do we do really? We've got Alderviro next to him. Sometimes we'll chop and change with Sanchez. We don't really have a, a an identity to our back four anymore. And I think fundamentally the type of football that Mourinho likes to play, you know, that that's gonna work if you've got a back four that understand each other and understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and has a balance there. And I think there's a times when it could look like that. You know, Vigulian's fit, Venoria's playing well. And um, if Dyer somehow manages to pull one out of the back and has a decent... That's the weak link there. Adevero's past his best days, don't get me wrong. He's past his best days. But you've got to look at him and say, among the centre-backs in the Premier League, he's still in the top 30%, in my opinion. Top 30 40%. Yeah, so... Enough to get you in a top three, four logic and data would suggest. So it's a, it is a, it's a, it's a really interesting one because obviously the mistake itself was akin to Booker T spin a Rooney. That's what I always <laughs> <laughs> doing windmills on the floor and shit. Um, but as, as as you said, for all intents and purposes, if you break down Eric Dyer as a footballer mm. and as a centre back specifically, you do have all the attributes there to be a good footballer, and he's shown it in spurts since Project Restart, that realistically he's probably our best centre-back, pound for pound. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd debate that, you know. I'd have to give it to Alderweireld just for now. Just for now, I'd have to. Because I've seen... Teams... I genuinely think that Alderweireld does not have any leadership thread in his body. I think we saw that enough when Vertonghen was there. He carried our, our back four. Any time you paired Alderweireld with somebody else... There was that little bit of disjointed that left us prone to error, and I think that's where per, that's where uh, individual mistakes creep into a side is where the dynamic between the centre back pairing or the dynamic between the full back and the guy in front of him, the wide forward or the winger, when those things don't work, you start to see these mm. individual errors creep in a lot more. I hear you, man. I hear you. I just, I just got love for that boy because I've seen him. You know those last stitch. Basically, for me, he's the only defender that we have 
who's capable of making a last a last ditch standing challenge without giving away a, a penalty. And I've seen him do it time and time again, and I trust him for that. So for me, I trust him inside inside our box. Look how long he's been at Spurs for. How many times has he been, has he been a scapegoat for high profile mistakes? Barely, very rarely, very rarely. And that's because less, less than the rest of the guys, definitely. Precisely, mm-hmm. precisely. And that's because he knows where to put his feet. He's not an idiot in there. You would never see him doing what Dyer did today. Never, never. You would never see him do that. And I have to say that for facts. You would never see him do that. To be to be fair, he probably wouldn't be close because past <laughs> the back line is pretty much curtains for him now. Um, obviously, Eric Dyer is not the only player on the pitch, and mm. his mistake did leave lead to the only goal in the game. Um, we won't touch on Chelsea's football too much because it's still very very early doors. Uh, they're still learning from Thomas Tuchel, and sort of that new manager bounce is pretty evident if you ask me. Um, let's focus on another player who got an, an outing today, uh, Vinicius. So he starts the game. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this might be his first Premier League start this season. Um, what do we make of him, generally and off of today's evidence? Well, I mean, his hold-up play isn't there. It's clear, it's clear. It, 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 I mean, he needs to play more games in order for us to really make a full judgment on that. He needs to start more games for us to really um, assess the situation. But he doesn't have the hold up. Jose Mourinho's team require that focal point. They require that. You know, he usually likes the big man who can hold up the ball, bring other others into play. Wingers, in particular, um, attacking midfielders, get that link up there. He doesn't look like he has that. Whenever he has the ball, he doesn't look to hold it either. That's not an instinct of his. So it's clear to see that he's not that kind of player. And then running the channels, he's not great at that either. Um, I thought he was. He showed signs of that in Europa League games where he the assist for Lucas Moura um, on his debut as well. He showed that he could run channels in you know in some moments. But when you don't have that much of the ball and we are breaking in that first half, he... Lot, you know the time you know, the possession he lost in that final third wasn't. It's not that of a level of player that you want. And Jose, I can see why Jose has dropped in, but at the same time, again, players got to play their way in, into form, and that's the way you're going to get the best out of them. And uh, that chance as well, you've got to bag it. You've got to bag that. Um, you you have to you know when you're not playing that many games and you, when you really want to show that you are worthy of the opportunity you have to bag that and he didn't take his chance. So Owen, obviously we've we've spoken a lot on the pod uh, pretty much until until we're blue in the face in terms of needing another option when Kane isn't fit. We've seen two managers now have options but not utilise them as often as maybe we would deem as sensible. Um, so Vinicius currently sits as pretty much third choice in terms of the centre-forward spot. Um, what do we put that down to? Is that just a symptom of Kane and Sun being so great? Or is there something deeper to the options that we've been bringing in? I mean, Vinicius, I, I don't think he's had enough minutes in the league, for one. I mean, I, I'm... I thought he started off okay. Like to us, he made a few decent runs into the channels, but just didn't do anything with the ball. Uh, I just think whoever we bring in, there's just going to be a massive drop off in quality. Either way, I mean, uh, we uh, if anything, do you know what? I think we missed Lorente in some games where he he actually came in and did a job for us when we actually did use him. Like, I mean, my brain's mostly fried, I can't lie, like that that game turned me into a courtside Karen. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean it was annoying seeing Vinicius his hold up play being as bad as it was considering he's he's six four. Mm. And Brazilian so should be fairly techy with the feet and the futsal. Uh there was a moment even when um in the first half where Sun was clean through on goal once uh, Vinicius got it on the turn and he, he didn't play the pass and just ran into trouble. It's a shame. Um... Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. 
That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Do you know what? I, I, I think this one's on Jose, to be honest. Like, for one, he hasn't given him proper minutes, um, especially in the league. And two, I think a better coach could get better out of a lot of our fringe players, like not just Vinicius, but a better coach who... Something like Marcus Bean said on the on the previous pods, um, on the Wickham pods, was saying that managers, are, he'd prefer managers who kind of are person-to-person kind of coaching rather than just being seen as a cog in the system, which is how I think he sees Vinicius for sure. Um, I think a coach who works person to person to improve them and improve them to suit said coach or manager system would get better out of him. Um, like it wouldn't even just be Vinicius. I think players like Sanchez would improve. I think Winks and Bergvine would improve as well. So yeah, I, I would put this one on Jose. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, in the same way, I've got to stay consistent. He's reminded me of Janssen. I can't lie. Like This is Vinicius Janssen as far as I'm concerned. Not because he's a bad player. Not even because I felt like Vincent Janssen was particularly bad. But for me, the treatment is identical. These guys are feeding off of scraps when it comes to minutes. They're very much viewed as understudies or emergency backups. And that can only be detrimental to the confidence of a player. I mean, going back to the point I made about uh, Bale and Doherty playing a lot of minutes on the right-hand side, the best moments from Vinicius have come with Lucas Moura playing next to him, or near Mm. to him at least. Lucas Moura was nowhere to be found. Mm. Um, He didn't start the game. It would have been a logical solution for me to put little pockets of chemistry around the pitch but the more we keep just throwing these new lineups, these new shapes, we're just going to keep seeing the same repetitive situation where there's no rhythm, there's no intensity, there's no real outlet for anybody. No one knows where each other are. Like We've literally become, if Kane and Son aren't linking, there is no attack. It's all improvised, man. It, it just is. On, on, on Sun as well, um, obviously we did the Discord live and there was a lot of chatter. Less so chatter, but a lot of screaming and shouting about how anonymous Sun is. For a bit of context, uh, in first 11 games of the season, uh, league games this is, 907 minutes, he had 10 goals, 3 assists. Between games 12 and 22, he's had 889 minutes. Two goals, three assists. Uh, so a substantial drop-off. Um, what do we make of that? Is that just a symptom of him being in, in unsustainable form? Or is it time to start being a little bit worried about his production? I think it's too soon to be worried, firstly. I think it's too soon to be worried. I think the output that we were seeing Son put in week in, week out, I think we'd be very lucky to see that sustained over the period of the entire season. I think it's difficult for any player to to have that level of intensity throughout. Um, obviously, our talisman is main link-up player. We have to acknowledge that that guy's gone. So that's you know undeniably going to have an impact, not just on his performance, but also his confidence. Um, because I think one of the commentators mentioned during the match today, actually, that it was real Ferdinand, furthermore, before the match started. He said the only time he's going to make a run is when Undenbelli's on the ball. And, um, you know, he weren't lying. And the fact of the matter is Undenbelli was marked out of the game today. You know, he, he didn't, he, he did not have a comfortable game. They made it feel like a London derby, which it was. So Son, Son's performance, I wouldn't necessarily say it's dependent 
on having Kane on the pitch, but it's dependent on service. And I think if we don't have the the creative people around him to to give him those balls to run onto, to run in behind, to come short at times, to play off, then realistically, I don't know what our expectations are going to be. And we haven't got that creative solution. We do have it in Undumbele, but we can't look, rely solely on him. We haven't got it in Lamella, in my opinion. Um, there's times where Lamella does show flashes of brilliance. I know some people rate him. I do, but no, nah, man, I, I can't. I can't see him doing more than what Dele Ali gives you personally. But I'm a Dele Ali fan, so it is what it is. But yeah, man, Son, Son, I'm, I'm disappointed. I think Son will still come good, but he, 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 he will be the first one to acknowledge that he's not playing at the level that we expect him of. Not even that we expect of him, but we expect of a decent player to, to play like, especially if he's going to be, you know, solidifying that first team spot. But that's just in recent weeks. And I think, you know, it, it, no player can have that level of consistency. We're talking about, what, 10 goals in 900 minutes over the course of a Premier League system. I think that's really, really challenging. So for, for, for some additional context, and I'll throw this one over to, to Jack, um, because obviously... You're very vocal in saying that most of our squad is shit. Uh, so let's challenge, <laughs> let's challenge one of our, our top-class players. Uh, so Sun has no goal in five league games. He hasn't scored since the Leeds game on January 2nd. What do you put that down to? Because it's only been two and a half games without Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. So, I, can't, I can't make Son blameless in this. I mean, he's got credit in the bank, which is why he can get away with a an off day or two but mm. it's been a month man it's been mm. a month this guy you know before, way before you know the season even when people were calling him world class when he was on file um, this season I've always maintained and I you know I still will maintain this guy only becomes world class when he hits 30 goals in a season because he hasn't done that yet and he still could he still could but you have to hit world-class numbers if you want to be called world-class. You know, we're in an era now where players, wide forwards, whatever you call it, they are bagging those numbers, and he's not world-class until he does that. That, as well as having not having these dry patches, these annual dry patches, he tends to have a season, and it's happening again. It's not something we're not used to. He will have moments where he looks absolutely unplayable and one of the best players in the world, but then he'll also have patches like these where. It looks like he's just either burnt out, isn't in the game. Um, it looks like he's hiding almost sometimes. You know, this is this is happening yet again. And that's something that I think he needs to he needs to work on because at the end of the day, um, it's something that he does every season. But it isn't the only factor. I won't put him as a solitary factor. The style of play we are shocking right now. The form is, is awful and. Obviously, we're not facilitating any of our attacking players right now. Um, Jose Mourinho doesn't do that, and I think well, on that on that note, actually, that that's an interesting point, and I want to expand on that. Um, we all know that our our style of play is almost a black hole for any sort of enjoyment, entertainment, or attacking flair or patterns in general. Owen, what do you feel he can add to his game from like a stylistic point of view? to help us not be so reliant on having that tandem and actually relying on him as a sole source of creativity? As in who? Son, to improve. Son. Um, I know he, he... I think he needs to carry on doing what he's doing, but on a more consistent basis. Furthermore, I mean, for in regards to his recent form, I think he just looks burnt out, to be honest, being, uh, being the root cause of his problems and... On top of that, it's it's purely because we over-rely on him. We do need help across other areas of the pitch. I mean, we we put stocks in in Bergfine to come good, but he he wasn't great today. Um, in terms of today as well, like I can't lie, Tangi was a bit off it. Like I, I wouldn't say it's because of uh, of his stamina, but say I just think his final ball just wasn't what it normally is. Um, but I, I, I would encourage him to keep on doing the same things he's doing, i.e. with Kane. But, I mean, we we need someone else to strike a bit of a partnership with Kane um, and Son as well. Like Whether it be from the right wing, whether we end up bringing another creator who's been injured or in the transfer market in the summer. And we we need to be able to facilitate him more so he doesn't have to 
you know, have to come deep, which isn't his strengths. And we essentially just don't have to rely on him as much. It's interesting you say that because I, I think part of, as, as you've mentioned, him being burnt out is a symptom of the style of play more than anything else in, in, in terms of how I view it. If you're running 40, 50 yards every game to get on the end of a ball, you're going to start to feel it in your legs. And with the absence of build-up play and without that creative outlet, I can see how someone who is tasked to just run in behind and get on the end of a final ball, how that can become difficult for them to get into a game. The reason I ask that is we're not seeing him really involved in build-up. He's not really linking up with anybody He's not showing for the ball in a lot of instances and it has become quite one-dimensional for lack of a better a, a better description. Um, Don't think that, there is a better description. I think that's pretty bang on. Precisely. And for, for me, that's that's a little bit worrying. Um, I can't attribute all the blame to the player because a lot of the time you're just going to do what you're told. But as has been mentioned, the world-class players do find ways to be effective on a football pitch when they're team needs it. Obviously, we've debated left, right and centre in terms of whether or not Sun is that player. But for me, that's a key component in in what he needs to do. It's less to do with the statistics. It's more about in those decisive moments, taking the game by the scruff of his neck and doing what needs to be done in order to get us over that hump. Um, and so far in this, in this new year, I, I find it quite difficult to say that he's done that. Um, the elephant in the room here, Jose Mourinho. Um, we've done a good job of not making this the Jose pod. He's been mentioned quite a few times. I mean, three losses on the bounce. Uh, that accounts for half of our losses over the course of the Premier League campaign. Where do we go from here? What do we need to see from Jose to not be calling for his head with the placards and the banners like them other guys down the road? <laughs> yeah, it's too soon for us to be irrational. I don't think we need to start panicking. It's three losses. We definitely need to dust off. We definitely need to get out of that losing habit. We definitely need to compose ourselves. On the subject of Jose, I like to think he's got the maturity to handle this. You know, he's an experienced manager. That being said, I, I was listening to the commentators and they mentioned that he's never lost three on a truck before. Uh, or two home games in a way, or, or two home games in a row or something like that. So that's disappointing. But, you know, I think that's probably for a reason. You know, it probably means that he can get under under the player's skin. He can, you know, pull people together, get a response. Um, but the issue with Jose is sometimes the response can be a bad one. And then, you know, he's known for causing disruptions in his dressing room. Um, you know, he's known for having issues with with players, with agents and so on. So, you know, it can go it can go left incredibly quickly, but I like to think he's got enough credit in the bank to turn things around. I'm not in panic stations yet. Um and I think Today, tactically, I think it wasn't it wasn't where we needed to be. I don't think you know we were creative. I don't think we were trying to be creative, and I don't think we really had a plan about how we was going to progress that ball, um, whether it was through the channels, you know, whether it was through the middle, whether it was going to be route one. There, there didn't seem to be any real strategy. We was kind of just holding on and 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 just trying to link up somehow. Um, so I think we need to take he needs to take a real long look at himself. Um, you know, the players need to take a long look at themselves because they're not blameless in this. Yeah, like, the first things first is if you haven't got the energy and the enthusiasm to get on with the game, then you, you you're not likely to win that game. And today, no one on the pitch looked like they really gave a hundred percent, in my opinion. So, so you Jack, you've, you've been very very vocal in terms of the lack of quality in the side, and you've bemoaned a lot of our role players and all of these guys. But how much blame rests on the shoulder of Jose Mourinho at this point in time? A lot of it. Um, we we've made we've made signings. We've made signings over summer. He's been back to an extent, not fully. Um, we still needed that centre back. We should probably still need two, really. 
Um, and I think we have our deficiencies at right back, even though Aurier's played out of his skin this season. Um, we signed Doherty, who's been tragic, um, to say the least. Um, but a lot of it does lie down, not go down to Jose. And in regards to sort of the, the maturity comment of Jose, I, I kind of disagree. We've seen what he's done before when things don't go his way, and he does throw, throw his toys out of the pram. And I can see... I don't know the signs of you know the body language of the players. The players aren't blameless, of course, but the body language of the players. You're paid fifteen million pounds. You should be getting some tune out of our attacking players at the very least, because our attacking players is where most of our talent lies in this squad. Yet he's playing a football that completely prevents them from prevents stops it from getting the best out of those players. And it doesn't make any sense. And the fact that he, our defenders are already bad and he plays a style which puts even more pressure on them just, again, it bewilders me completely. The fact that a manager of such calibre, such calibre in the past, just can have such a mindset like this. And it's, it's just beyond, it's just beyond like, ridiculous now. He, the signs are all there for him. For him to be gone, basically, the signs are all gone. <laughs> all, all the signs that no man, it's too uh, soon for that man. I, no, I tell you what, I tell you what. I just, just before this week, um, you squad. I tell you why. All the signs when it went wrong at Chelsea, when it went wrong at Man United, it's already there. It's already there. <laughs> In half the time, yeah. <laughs> unless he gets backed, unless this man gets the backing that he demands, which I can't see happening. It won't happen. But if, unless he gets that, it's going to go tits up. And, you know, just waiting is sort of prolonging the inevitable. So what I suggest personally is you either sack him after the League Cup because he, he you know, at the end of the day, he's Jose Mourinho. He lives for these games. Mm. Or you sack him just before the League Cup and get a new manager bounce for that one game. So we wait until April to sack him. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see, I man. can't lie. I think it's inevitable that he's going to stay to the summer, no matter what. I mean, I've I've been an apologist for Jose and for for most of the season up until up until ultimately the Brighton game. Like he he had all the excuses that are oh, he's living in London now. He's got a new philosophy apparently, um, which I I seen a bit of before the West Ham game. But he downtools on that, and see he hired Sacramento with the ideology that he's going to kind of marry his ideas to Jao Sacramento's and play a bit more a bit more on the front foot I wasn't expecting like rock and roll football don't get me wrong but um yeah it's just like when you when you've got to this stage now when he's been in charge for a year now over a year just over and we still haven't seen those things which he's said he's he's going to implement then I, I think it's time to look forward uh, in the summer. But obviously, with it being inevitable that he's going to stay until at least the summer, he can only really go to basics. Like what I want to see is at least a a familiar centre-back partnership, which starts most games, and a clear one. Um, I would go with Sanchez and all the world at the moment. But, I mean... <laughs> He could pick anyone as long as there's a consistent partnership there. I think that would help us out a lot. Um, obviously, keeping it four at the back, basics. Delhi coming into the team to play as a ten ahead of Tungi, staying deep. Even the 50% Tungi can give us a lot of balance, at least. And then at least the body, which is going to be close to Sun, which we, we saw um, quite a lot of benefits that with Lamella actually uh, getting in some dangerous positions. So. I mean, he wasn't ever going to do anything with the ball, but at least we looked a bit more just proactive and we looked like we can get some more combinations off to build some attacks. Um, And just not playing bail, again. (laughs) Uh, Just leave him there. Just (laughs) keep it basic and don't go Mm -hmm. over the top. We can't really be playing Sissoko in midfield either. I know he he ditched that for a few games because, again, I don't think he's tone deaf to a lot of the fans' criticisms. He noticed that Sissoko was a hindrance on their build-up play. He was very much a hindrance today. Mm -hmm. He played 90 minutes, even though we, we had a third sub, which we didn't use. 
Uh, I, I don't know. Um, he can't really be starting games, to to be honest. And yeah, I would I would keep it at that. Just I think keep the, it at basics to the summer. The two points you've made, the the back to basics, I definitely agree. And the um the sort of transition away from what we were seeing and what we were all quite positive about at the start of the restart and then the start of the season up until the infamous West Ham game. For whatever reason, he's ditched all of the modern principles that started to make us look like a bit of a a threat. And that, for me, is a massive issue. Um, We are a club who who aren't synonymous with uh, tangible success or glory, as as I like to call it. Um, And for me, one of the key components about being Spurs is about the stylistic aspect of our game. And we've seen over the last 10 years extreme highs in that regard and extreme lows. Um, this reminds me of that sort of interim period where we had the AVB put it through bail and inshallah. <laughs> and then the sort of mishmash dinosaur football that Sherwood gave us where we had Chadley at centre midfield and square holes in round pegs and all of this shit. Like, I can't stand it. And I have to say this now, I have not feel, felt this detached from Tottenham Hotspur Football Club since Tim Sherwood days. And that's dangerous territory for me. From keeping it a buck, if the world was open, I wouldn't be attending games. Because I'm not, I'm not here to spend... I'm not here to, to say, oh, entertain me, entertain me. That's the only thing that matters. I love my football club and I love what it stands for on and off the pitch. But... The toxicity around the club at the minute, and I don't feel like we're seeing it as much because the fans aren't in the stadium, would just drive me away. I'm not, I'm not there to hear booing at halftime. I'm not there to basically spend cold nights in the stand next to guys that are screaming, pause it faster, pause it faster, every two minutes. So me personally, this couldn't be further from what I love about Spurs and what I love about the game of football. So I'd probably have opted out wouldn't be spending money to sit in the cold, wouldn't be spending £7 on a flipping pie that's lukewarm. I wouldn't be doing it. I'd be sitting my ass at home and watching this shit. Watching Lion King, wouldn't you? Say that again? You'd be watching Lion King, wouldn't you? Pretty much, yeah. I've literally started to turn the games off before 90 minutes, which is unfathomable for me, so... That's an indicator of where I'm at with this regime and this this sort of uh, spell of form that we're under. Do you have a manager in mind? Funnily enough, it was uh, Thomas Tuchel. That was, that was a guy who, that was a guy who, for me, uh, when when Pochettino's reign was clear to be coming to an end, that's who I was opting for. Uh, this who I was asking for. I could tell that. That sort of dynamic with uh, PSG wasn't going to be long-standing. Lo and behold, we go for the dinosaur of football. Um, and yeah, I'm not a fan of dinosaurs, as I tweeted last week. Um, so yeah, I won't say get him out yet because we still got a cup final in April. So we've got a long time of shit football to endure. But it's not looking good for him. I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest. Mm. Well, yeah. I don't know how realistic it is, but if I had my, my pick of a manager, I'd probably go with Brendan Rodgers, you know? Yes, round me, Brendan. People argue. In the summer. Would he want to come? I mean... I don't know. Considering what he's got there, they've got a new training facility, they've got owners that back him to an extent, they're not obviously going to be Abramovich. But anyway. We tick both those boxes as well, though. Yeah, we've got... We do tick those boxes. They've got to give recruitment. Was not your first choice, Hassan Nainil, though? Yeah, it still is. He still is. You want you want to you want to be getting slapped nine nil every once every twelve months. <laughs> Actually, no, we go with that at the back. He might get slapped twelve, but um, alas, uh, I just I, I think his he's got things to learn, and I hope he learns that at Southampton quick. Um, his footballing philosophy is great. We, we've seen the way Southampton play. We've seen the, the way they press, they engage in the game. He's getting a tune out of all of the players he's got available at his disposal. And I think if 
<laughs> if I see him with Ndombele, imagine the things Ndombele could do under him. Right. But this is the thing. This is the thing. Defensively, again, I get it. <laughs> he got slapped man nil twice, but that Man United game context, man, that was a. That no, was there's, a, there's no. I'm not letting you do that, that man. Like, direct. <laughs> you lose your, you lose your shit on a weekly basis when we lose, right? And you remove all context, then it goes straight to Serge Aurier, Harry Winks, and whoever else you've got that little short list for. So I'm not letting you hold that one, man. Hassan Knight nil, nowhere near my damn club. As I'm concerned, I think he's a better manager than that result suggests. In my opinion, <laughs> he may be, but I'm not taking that risk, man. Not not after this this little spell. Well, listen, lads. Does anyone have anything else to add to that Chelsea debacle and this putrid uh, run of form that we're on? Or is that Eddie is the last thing I have to say? Getting back in the fold. We miss him. We miss him dearly. Um, and I think it will come good at a time when we need him most. And it was good game against Chelsea. He's got experience of doing stuff and he to Chelsea, lastly. So, anyway, that's the last I'll say on that. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping that he gets he gets his run in the team uh, as soon as possible because we cannot continue with this. Uh, cannot continue with it. Um, that about wraps us up this week. Uh, obviously, as as mentioned before, make sure you're following us on Twitter, on Instagram at Spurs underscore Touchline. Keep it locked to the YouTube as well. Um, and yeah, pleasure as always, lads. On debut, has got the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, Sports Social Podcast Network.